Welcome back to the podcast, the Noel Kassler podcast, episode 21. We're legal now. So uh, <laughs> even though I don't drink our podcast, Ken, I'm back here with Jimmy Kennedy to break down the week's events. Jimmy, how you doing today? Feeling pretty good, bud. How you doing this week? I can't complain. What a week, man. What a week for the news. I keep hoping we're going to log on and I'm going to get to do an in-depth talk about spirituality or what I learned in yoga class this week. And the hits keep on coming with the Trump stuff. You know, it's like beyond yeah. my wildest dreams. And I don't mean that in a good way. So I guess nightmare is the better uh, term. But the Tom Barak thing, I got to kick it off with that because that I don't think anybody saw that coming, you know, and I guess this was like a sealed indictment that they, they could have acted on this at any point in the last couple of years. And they waited till now, ostensibly or probably because they knew Trump would have pardoned Tom Barack. But and it's Barrack. I always I'm going to say it wrong. Just to be <laughs> honest, you know? um, but it's strange that he wouldn't pardon him that he wouldn't know this because tom was so tied in not only with the inaugural fund and the missing 40 million dollars and the 110 million dollar grift <laughs> you know and i've just talked about that before on this show like they raised 110 million dollars and they i think they had like three doors down playing or something you know i did both of barack obama's inaugurations the first one we did like events for about five days and we had everybody from Beyonce to Bruce Springsteen to Garth Brooks to Bon Jovi, like Maroon 5, Sting, Stevie Wonder, like it just, you two, we, we you know, it was <laughs> like, get us all the most expensive acts in the world. And it still only costs like 40, $50 million. So when that inauguration happened and I, you know, cause we knew right away, this price tag was like 110 million. It's like, what did they spend it on? Their parade was backhoes going down constitution. <laughs> you know, they had a tractor pull <laughs> basically, you know, they didn't even barely had marching bands. So it was clearly a big grift. So it surprises me that Somebody in Trump's orbit, especially Jared Kushner, wouldn't have seen this arrest coming and, uh, you know, and, and preemptively pardoned him. And perhaps there is a sealed pardon, you know, pocket pardon or something we don't know about. But let me just give a brief thing. So what they got him on was his dealings with the UAE and treason, essentially. It's not just being an unregistered foreign agent like they got some of these other guys on, Michael Flynn and these guys, Paul Manafort. It was this guy like w was representing foreign governments against our own interest. And, and we knew that if you were paying attention, that's what Jared Kushner did. And I did a car rant about this, you know, on Friday, it's like in 2017, the bill was coming due for triple six fifth Avenue. They'd borrowed a ton of money to buy this building. It was completely overpriced and they bought it at the height of the market. Jared made this purchase in like 2007. So 2008 comes, the real estate market crashes in October. I was in the middle of all that. You know, I was living in New York City and a lot of friends in real estate and have some background in that myself a little bit. And uh, I saw it happen. So, so this building like collapses economically, you know, and it's this hugely distressed property. So by 2017, they're trying to get bailed out essentially. And Charles Kushner takes a meeting with the Qatari officials in the St. Regis Hotel in the 50s in New York City and is like, I think it's like 53rd Street or something, and is like, hey, I mm -hmm. only took the meeting because it wasn't appropriate for me to do business with them. And as a courtesy, I went to tell them in person. Okay. 
You don't do that. If you if if you don't want to be associated with somebody, you send them an email and say thanks, but no thanks. Any lawyer in the world will tell you you don't go take a private meeting in a hotel with representatives of a foreign government. But he takes the meeting. That's his excuse. You know, he just did it out of courtesy. And then by happenstance, six weeks later in June of 2017, what happens? Saudi Arabia and the UAE threaten a blockade against Qatar or enact this blockade. And Qatar is like, we have our biggest military base in the Mideast in Qatar. Any of these wars we were fighting, Qatar and our base there is essential to this. It's like where they reload the planes and all kinds of stuff. So we need Qatar as our ally. Trump basically used other countries to squeeze Qatar. They do that. All of a sudden, Brookfield Asset Management, a Canadian-based company, but basically a New York financial company that is a sovereign wealth fund holder for the Qatari government, meaning the Qataris invest a lot of money in this company and basically own a third of this company. That yeah. company, Brookfield Assets Management, bails out 666 Fifth Avenue with a 99-year lease, okay? So- they're like, we're going to rent this place for a century, you know, because it's such a delicious deal for us. And we just foresee needing that much office space <laughs> in New York City, you know, which is BS. And another thing, because right now every office in New York City is, is empty and will be that way for the next 10 years. You know, offices are done. You didn't right. necessarily know that in 2017, but by 2020, that itself became this horrible investment. The whole thing is fishy. And that's that's not even what they got Tom Barack on. And I'm getting to my point here because Michael Cohn, who's always fishing for likes and podcast hits and being on Jimmy Kimmel and stuff, it still blows my mind how the mainstream media like accepts this guy as somebody on yeah. the side. He's as big a con man as Trump and he's telling you half of what he knows. But um, he said that he thinks Jared had already flipped. I don't think that's the case, but I do believe Charles Kushner with all this dirt probably went to the feds and started feeding them this information on Tom Barrack in the way that you would like, if you're being pursued, you'd start throwing bodies out in the road to make your right. pursuers have to swerve and maybe crash and stuff. They're using Tom Barack like a human shield because they know they're getting close. Like whatever you might think, you know, the net is starting to tighten around these guys, but I don't think Kushner flipped because who would flip Kushner to go after Tom Barrack? Right. If you flip Kushner, take Kushner, flip Tom Barrack and take Kushner down like he's your threat. Tom Barrack's been a shady businessman for 50 years. You know, he did shady deals with Ed Meese back in the Reagan era. The guy's kind of a known people know what he is, you know, but they, I don't see them like if, if you got Jared Kushner to flip, you got bigger fish to fry. What do you think, Jimmy? Well, I mean, what immediately comes to mind, we, we've said before that Trump really doesn't fear criminality but him not pardoning tom barrick makes me wonder if like he thought about the implications of what that would look like you know not that he's trying to win one 24-hour news cycle but why wouldn't he just take the effort and pardon him you know, if he knows it's going to impact his wealth at the end of the day or at least jared's and ivanka's well that's what i'm saying like i yeah. don't understand how he would have overlooked <laughs> yeah. that and not been advised to do it but except for my theory you know because he did pardon charles Kushner, right? He right. 
he pardoned Charles Kushner, right? And that was for Charles's past crimes, which was for, you know, going to prison for blackmailing his brother-in-law. And that's a story people only know half of. They got him to accept that plea deal because they had their own tapes on Charles Kushner. He's somebody who liked to step out in New York City and visit prostitutes of his own, right? But he's this powerful, orthodox Jewish guy with a big community standing in New Jersey. So he can't be openly doing that. So he does it on the DL, you know, like father, like son. And there's tapes of that, of him visiting prostitutes that look more like you and I (laughs) than what you might be thinking of, if you know what I'm saying. And you can't really have that stuff come out. So those tapes got fed to Christie and Christie's like, here, you got to take this deal or I'm releasing my own compromise. So he got ensnared in the thing that he tried to do for to his brother-in-law to bilk his sister out of money. And the irony in that is, look, billionaires don't take plea deals, right? And Kushner took a deal and went to prison down in Arkansas. You know, he could have fought that to high heaven. He took the deal that Christie offered him. Christie was the DA at the time or the attorney general of of Jersey. So uh, that already is suspicious as hell. And it was probably Trump who gave Christie the compromise on Kushner. You know, and that's what Trump does. That's why he ran brothels everywhere. And he would have these parties and say, hey, go in the room. It's cool. So you like dudes. No problem, bro. Your secret safe with me. And he'll find out this stuff about people. And then he'll figure out a way to get some ammunition. And when you got the mob on your side, it helps. And that's the same thing that happened. We'll get into Kavanaugh in a minute because we got more revelations from that this week. But it's the same sort of thing. Trump only surrounds himself with compromised people. And that includes his family. That includes his lawyers. You know, Michael Cohn got that gig because Michael Cohn was a corrupt guy. You know, he owned taxi medallions. His job was to pay off Trump's sexual assault victims and porn stars. Now everyone's (laughs) acting like he's this liberal media darling. You know, when Trump got elected, they made... Michael Cohn, an RNC finance chair, and he, along with Elliot Brady and the guy who owns the Palm in Vegas, Steve Wynn, you know, two of the bigger scumbags you could find in this country, right? And Michael Cohn flew around the country shaking down corporations, saying, hey, Trump's president now, if you want to play ball, you better pony up to the RNC. Part of that is how you got all that money going into the inaugural fund. It was a slush fund. It was like, put some money in, in, in Papa's pocket here if you want to play ball. Here's your vig. You know, it's like you go to a mob wedding. Everyone's given an envelope of cash to provide <laughs> room, right? Yeah. And Trump's still playing out that MO. It just came out today in the Washington Post. He's raised $75 million in his pack in the last six months, right? And he gets to spend that however he wants. He's raising that money saying, help me fight the fraud of this election sham and help me fight for your rights in Arizona. He hasn't given him a dime. He's using it to pay for his travel expenses and his hamburgers, you know, (laughs) and it's like the crap he needs because he's a grifter and he's also keeping it as a war chest because he can use that like a cudgel over the GOP because he can say anybody who doesn't do my bidding, I got $75 million, which will be $200 million by the end of the year. And I'm going to, I'm going to, whoever runs against you, if you don't do exactly what I say, I'm going to throw my weight behind them. So that's how he can buy your Kevin McCarthy's and your Jim Jordan's. And he's going to use that money. You know what's going to mm-hmm. happen in the next election cycle? You're going to have 25 Marjorie Taylor Greens. You're going to have a half a dozen Lauren Boberts and Madison Caulfields. You're going to have these disruptors all throughout the Congress. Another one announced today, 
who or this week rather, who was Elise Stefanik's aide, and she's from New Hampshire, and she's running against you know a guy who's had that seat for thirty years, and she's a twenty-three-year-old kid who posed in a red dress in front of a muscle car and is doing the same mo, like I'm taking America back. You know, you're gonna have these QAnon nutbags running left and right, and Trump can fund them all. You know, he can show up in their district and do one rally and they're going to undo whoever's there. And the GOP knows that and they're terrified. Okay, so that's why they're doing the stunts like they did with the January 6th commission and all this. They have to do what Trump says. That's why he summons Kevin McCarthy up to Bedminster every other week and says, change my diaper. I'm going to tell you what happens. This is what you're going to do. You're going to put Jim Jordan on that committee. And I want to see him roll up his sleeves and scream and spit for two hours and disrupt the thing because you can't have the truth come out because I was trying to overthrow the government and I'm still going to do it. And this is how. And if you don't do what I say, I'm going to bury you financially. Yeah. And what what concerns me before, and I've mentioned it, you know, with the seventy five million dollars that Trump has in this account that he can use however he wants, that's kind of a unofficial way of breaking from the GOP and kind of forming he hasn't named it the Patriot Party but you have aligned yourself essentially with Trump as the authoritarian leader at this point if you still choose him by donating to a PAC like that and you mentioned to go back to the Jared story you mentioned the guitar base he's putting American national security at risk for his own wealth that's an entirely different level of corruption from a, from a POTUS, dude. I know. And it endangered yeah. the whole world. Like we said last week, the yeah. Rosenbergs were executed for handing nuclear secrets to the Russians, you know, in a post-World War II era in like early 50s. It was high treason. They killed them. You know, they executed them. Okay. Because you <laughs> endangered the safety of the United States. Trump was doing that on a daily basis for four years and everybody knew it. But the grift was so deep. People keep asking how he gets away with it. The Kavanaugh thing is a great example, okay? Deutsche Bank was the main lender to Trump through all of these failed things. And even when red flags would come up and he would default on loans or sue the bank like he did in the Chicago imbroglio, Deutsche Bank would still loan to him. You know, I did a stand-up set one time in Dangerfields, RIP Dangerfields. It was a great club in New York City um, that never changed since it opened. And I used to love performing there. But I did a set once there a couple of years ago and a lady came up to me afterwards and she's like, I worked at a bank and Trump, we did business with Trump and the loan like applications that he would turn in would have like typos in them and <laughs> obviously wrong numbers and inflated stuff. And she was like, there's no way this guy's going to get a loan. Like she, she would laugh at it. Like this guy was applying for a $500 million loan, you know, with something that looked like a third grader filled it out and she would laugh and pass it up to her bosses and they'd stamp it approved. She was like, I can't, couldn't believe it. But so like Kavanaugh was Deutsche Bank, obviously did tons of business, super shady. Justice Kennedy's son works for Deutsche Bank in the department that signed off on Trump's loan. So they got him dead to right in compromise. They basically tell Justice Kennedy this. Kennedy retires early. There's the famous clip of Trump and Justice Kennedy when they made the announcement and they're walking back to the Oval Office and Trump whispers something and it stops Justice Kennedy in his tracks. You know, and he's like, now, wait a minute, you promised or whatever, because that's who Trump is. He's a snake. My opinion is he said, now we get Bit Ginsburg. Like, that's probably what he said. He's like, all right, you know, two down, one to go, you know, because that was his second SCOTUS pick. So 
and that's what I think he said. I think he's like, now, now I get to do, now we get Ginsburg or something. You know, he probably said something like Justice Kennedy was a confidant of his because he now owns Kennedy, Justice Kennedy, you know, and he owns his son. So they have to replace this guy. And who do they pick? Brett Kavanaugh, right? A guy who McGahn knows from the Federalist Society and all this kind of stuff. A guy who Christopher Ray went to the same Yale Law School with, right? So Chris Ray can protect him when all this stuff comes up. And basically they're like, yeah, you know, I know a drunk up in Chevy Chase. He's got about a half a million dollars in gambling debt. <laughs> you know, he's a Lothario. He was a sexual predator in prep school. You know, he's got a lot of dirt on him. And Trump would be like, that's perfect. That's my guy. And it came out last yesterday that we do this on Friday. It came out that the FBI set up basically a phony tip line in that whole debacle of his hearings, which were a sham and an offense to every human in this country, especially women who had the bravery to come forward. I'm still angry about that. I could do a whole episode on that, but it shows you how much we value women in this country over powerful white men, you know, which is zero. So anyway, they set up this phony tip line. They take some of the probably more solid tips and they feed them to the White House. They tell Don McGahn, you know, it's like they put the the fox in charge of the hen house and they do this phony thing like they were doing a background check. They really didn't do it. And what happens the next weekend? The guy gets confirmed the next week, you know, and I was doing the Global Citizens Fest during all that. And they sent Jeff Flake up to New York for the weekend. And if you remember, Flake was one of the guys who held up the hearings and said, you know, hey, we're going to investigate this. You know, that was a political theater. He had no intention. He still voted to confirm him. Right. But for a second, you thought there was hope. And Flake comes up to Central Park to the Global Citizens Fest and, you know, gets a big applause and comes out on stage and everyone's thinking like, oh, the tide's turning. You know, even the like Republicans are standing up for our rights. No, they're not. The fix was already in. It was just a show and people fell for it. And why is it a show? Why does that stuff happen? Because Kavanaugh hangs out at the country club with these other guys, you know, and he did go to law school where Chris Ray is and where all the powers that be. So what I'm trying to explain is there's money to be made here and there's money to be made in protecting the position of these mediocre sort of white men that are venal and corrupt and deeply flawed, but have gone through the system that was always designed to protect wealth and sort of a white supremacist patriarchy in terms of running this country from a political and banking structure. You know, you don't want to rattle the cage too much. That's why Biden's not going after Wilbur Ross, right? It, you know, it was it was Barr that didn't chose not to prosecute Wilbur Ross and four other basically cabinet <laughs> members of Trump, right? You know, and yeah. people accepted that like, hey, you're wrong. It wasn't Garland. It was Barr who did. I said the DOJ. I never singled out Garland on that day of outrage earlier this week. But my point is people just accepted that Trump's DOJ was corrupt. You know, no one's like asking for answers there and demanding because it was just assumed they were going to do the wrong thing. And you were kind of hoping that Garland and Biden's DOJ would do the right thing. But they're not going to rattle the cage that much because you got Carl Icahn, who was in business with Wilbur Ross. Wilbur Ross was known as the bankruptcy king on Wall Street because he would take all these distressed companies and make them profitable again. You know, all this corporate raiding kind of stuff that happened in the 80s. Wilbur Ross was a genius at restructuring these entities and getting a profit out of them, which ruined places like Ohio and you know Indiana and all because the profits came to the shareholders, not the workers. But 
And he was the guy who bailed out Trump in the 80s when his three casinos were in trouble. It was Wilbur Ross <laughs> who engineered a deal at the behest of Carl Icahn to allow Trump to retain control of these casinos, right? So all this stuff goes to very deep. And these tentacles go deep into American society. And even though you may be a good little guy like Biden, which he is, he still knows how the world works. And you can't go after a Wilbur Ross because then you're going to make all the other dudes nervous on Wall Street and you're going to make Wall Street nervous and you're not going to be able to go up to the Hamptons and raise money for your next campaign. And you tell yourself, well, if I can't do that, then I can't do any good, right? So you make compromises, but you're making moral compromises at this point that undermine democracy and make our society an unfair and unjust place to live for many people. It's always been that way for people of color. And now it's that way for women. It's always been that way for women, too. You know, they, they still get paid less than men. That's disgusting. Most of the women I know work harder than the men I know. Same in my experience as well, brother. And, you know, it, as an American citizen, I grew up at least thinking that there were these safeguards in place, that there were these institutions that were going to be there to be a saving grace for our democracy. But these institutions have been chipped away at and you know, the founding fathers anticipated that a tyrant like Trump would eventually try to profit off of the presidency. They didn't anticipate that the legislature and the judicial branch would also be in his back pocket as a compromised asset in his agenda. The, the amount of corruption is on an entirely different stratosphere from what was anticipated when this country was founded. You know, they, can't, they couldn't even imagine the amount of stuff that has happened at this point. And it's again, you know, it's hard to unring the bell when you've had this much stuff happen. And it's again, what John Oliver said, it's the, it's the bed of nails theory. So many things happen so quickly with Trump that it's hard to keep track of all of it. I know. Well, that's yeah. if I have any role in sort of like public discourse, it's that because for some reason, I never forget any of this stuff. It all sticks in my head. And I want to keep reminding people of this because it's so egregious. It's so disgusting. And if you lose track of a thing, he gets away with it. That's why I did the car rant about Tom Barrett, because I feel like that's already basically out of the news cycle. And that was Tuesday, you know, and <laughs> it's Friday. And you're going to let him get away with grifting all this money. He's always gotten away with it for the reasons I just described. And, and you're right. You did grow up in a world that they tell you that there's all these checks and balances, you know, and these founding fathers were these superheroes and capes that only cared <laughs> about the betterment of mankind. They owned other human beings and raped them on a regular basis and thought nothing of it. Okay. Cause they didn't want to work themselves and it was easier to own somebody, make them work a field and control a vast fortune. They didn't want to pay taxes to the king, so they set up this place, okay? Yes, there's some good things of democracy if you've been on the right side of it, but it's kind of like Trump uses the seal now. Another article came out today where he's using the presidential seal in Bedminster, like on his planes and on his like diocese when he's giving speeches, and it's perfect. It's like you have a fake president now, and you've basically always had a fake democracy, Right. You know, when I talk about like when I say anything about the DOJ and I pretty much leave Garland out of it, but he, the people are so touchy about defending Garland that instantly I'll get these things in my replies. It's like, give him a chance. He's got to unravel four years of stuff. No, he's not unraveling anything. He's business as usual. The reason Obama picked him to be a SCOTUS was because he was conservative. 
Okay, mm -hmm. he was picked to appease the GOP, and they were basically like, F you, it's not good enough, and you're a black guy, so I'm not letting you pick anybody, because I'm Mitch McConnell, and I'd rather sell that SCOTUS seat to the Koch brothers and the Christian fascists that want to take over this country. And that's what they did. Okay. But Garland isn't the guy you need. You needed Sally Yates. You needed somebody who was going to go in there and kick ass and clean house. All the guys who did half of this corruption for Trump are still have their jobs at the DOJ. Mm -hmm. There's been myriad scandals already come out. He didn't go in there and clean house. And Biden boxed himself into a corner because he's like, well, I'm just, I can't, have any influence over the DOJ because Trump did that and I don't want to do that. Here's the problem with Trumpism. He breaks things and you don't get to go back to the way it was. You know, right. you don't get to go back to these lofty ideals now because they've already broken it and they're at war with you and you don't have much time. You have 18 months until I said you're going to have the Congress full of Marjorie Taylor Greens. It's going to make Jim Jordan look like a statesman, you know, <laughs> when you see the next level of Marjorie, you know, of, of Morgan Caulfields and these people. Because think about this. Last weekend, Lauren Boebert, you know, whenever she was at the CPAC in her tight jeans, you know, stomping around the stage like a bad stand up. She was hugely famous. You know, that clip was all over Twitter for the weekend. You know, you said last week, it makes you feel good if you get 300 likes or something on your tweets. Imagine 3 million people seeing you. You know what that does to you? Fame is a drug. That's what the internet is, is it lets everybody sort of be famous now and people can get millions of views and I've had it. It works on your brain. It's designed to do that. So imagine how that's working on the brain of somebody who worked at McDonald's you know, and then opened a, like a burger joint in Colorado. And the, the trick was like, we'll carry guns. We'll, we'll hire, we'll be like Hooters, but with guns, you know, and then gets her GED right before she decides to run for Congress. Twitter gives her a blue check mark. And all of a sudden she's a legit political figure. You know, she looks like McLovin from Superbad. She can't even speak. Like she, she's not even good at reading things off of a cue card, let alone know anything about our government. But here she is. She's hugely famous and she's making a fortune, as is MGT and all these other people. So imagine how that looks to all these other people in the rest of the country that can now run and be like, I want to be her. I want to be on tight jeans, like and have a viral video and be talking about how kick ass I am. You know, I want to be like the hot chick on Fox News or whatever it is. You know, there's Lori. What's the one? There's one who's kind of pretty, who's always like annoying people and stuff. I can't think of her name. She's got They're all annoying. Tammy, Tammy something. It's Tammy. I'll, I'll look it up. While okay. you She's like the blonde one. Everyone will know who I'm talking about. You know, or Megan, Megan, uh, whatever, Megan Kelly. Megan Kelly yeah. spent the week attacking people attacking young women athletes on Twitter. She spent the week doing that, okay? She got fired from NBC for wearing blackface, you know, and saying Santa Claus had to be white. And they mm -hmm. paid her her whole contract. They paid her $69 million to leave. This is just a few months ago. This is, you know, or a year ago. Within this past year, she got a $69 million lump sum payout of a contract. She spends her time now harassing and trolling people on Twitter, now she just got a contract to go to Sirius XM. This coming wow. September, she gets a daily show, a weekly, every day of the week, weekday, hour long on Sirius Network, pumping poison into people's cars because there's money in it.
You see what I'm saying? There's money in it, corporate money. Sirius XM isn't like, hey, she just spent a week harassing young women and like promulgating hate. Maybe we shouldn't give her like whatever she's asking for. Nope, <laughs> give her a hundred million dollars. We want that. And that'll lead to the demise of this country. You know, it's like I was saying about Michael Cohn. They book him on everything because he's good copy and he'll get clicks and he'll get ratings. He's not telling you the truth. You know, he's making a buck. He's got a podcast and a book and stuff. He wasn't saying anything before this happened. If Trump brought him to D.C., you never would have heard from him again. He would have been Trump's biggest enforcer. He would have been one of these guys. Yeah, he went to prison for it. And good for him for serving his time. But, you know, he went to prison. He's a liar. He lied to the Senate Intelligence (laughs) Committee about Trump's deal in Moscow. And now every day people are like, how come Trump denies that he does drugs? You know, or how come Michael Cohn says, don't ask me how come, ask Michael Cohn how come he still lives in Trump Park Avenue. Why don't you ask him (laughs) that? If he hates Trump so much, why does he still live in his freaking building? Yeah. And, you know, it's, I don't know what Colin O'Brien got from NBC to not do the Tonight Show, but I think it was less than what uh, Megyn Kelly got, you know, and Conan ended up taking care of his people in the aftermath of that. Uh, And you mentioned like folks wanting to just get ratings. That's the name of the game in entertainment at this point. You have Fox News, Newsmax and OAN just trying to out crazy each other, you know, each day in their day part. And that's not news gathering. You know, news gathering is to find the truth, not to spin things to the point that people are psychotic about what reality is. <laughs> you, um, know? you know, and Tommy Lauren was the person I was talking about. Oh, right. Tommy yeah. You know, and Fox News, we saw this week, they're sort of doing kind of an about face. You know, Sean Hannity will say on his primetime show, hey, take the vaccine. Trust me, you want to take the vaccine, you know, because the market tanked a little bit. You know, and probably he got a few like target letters from some lawsuits against him. But then on his radio show during the day, he goes, I'm not telling you to take the vaccine. They're playing both sides of the fence and they're killing people. Three times this week, I read tweets of somebody who was tweeting like anti-vaccine jokes and stuff and have now died. Right. Dudes that have died. Everyone saw the video clip of the guy who was like, they're not shoving that vaccine down my throat. Right. These people die from this, but it's become a religion. You know, and that guy who died, they also showed a clip of him hunting, like killing some wild exotic creature in Africa or something. So I wasn't surprised that he wouldn't take the vaccine because anybody who's like an asshole enough to kill wild game on a canned hunt is not going to like do anything to protect his fellow human beings, right? That's who Trump goes after. As I said, he surrounds himself with compromised, ignorant people. You know, not just in his followers, though, that was all the people that worked for him, you know? Well, I mean, and they killed Herman Cain. Like, Herman Cain went to a rally for Trump in Oklahoma, I believe, at the time. It was right in the middle of the second wave. The dude ends up dead a week later, you yep. know? And, and he was a guy that ran for president at one point, you know, and was on, was a candidate, an option for us in 2012. And you mentioned Michael Cohen. I just watched a clip from The Daily Show back in the day. He was on Fox News peddling, you know, that Barack Obama is the worst president in the history of the country in 2012. You know, like he's full of shit. He's completely full of shit. It's one of the (laughs) most it's it's one of the things that scares me more than anything else about the future of the American people is that they're like, hey, well, Michael Cohen says, how do you not yourself parse this information and see what this guy's getting out of it? I'm not asking you to believe me. 
but I'm not selling you anything. You know, I've been on here for Twitter three years. I haven't sold you a book. I have my podcast is free. It doesn't have commercials. I have three shows coming up in the fall and I'm selling tickets to that. Okay. And it's not, it's my comedy. It's an art, you know, it's something I write and work hard on and it's not related to what I'm speaking out on. Obviously I'm going to talk about topical things because that's what I do. But my point is, and those cost money because they're in theaters and venues that have to pay their staff to have me come in and do it. You know, it's not because I'm making so much money off it. But my point is, you got to look at where these people are coming from. You see all these videos on Twitter. Hey, donate to our pack. Every video, help us defeat these guys. You know what packs are? We've been discussing it. That's from Citizens United. All these mm-hmm. super PACs, they're what Citizens United meant. It meant you could put unlimited amounts of money into these political campaigns and basically spend it any way you want. Before Citizens <laughs> United, you couldn't pump a ton of corporate money and donor money into individual things. There was fail safes and, and they destroyed that. So everyone's like, Lincoln's project is saving America. No, they're not. They're getting rich. They're paying themselves $50 million. And all of these guys are holding on to their money and they're going to be a force. And not only like, will you have sort of bad candidates in the GOP and on the right next time, you'll also have candidates they are getting picked by these PACs on the left. Because nobody's going to be able to compete with whoever somebody decides should go viral. And if those people make the wrong decision, you're going to have the wrong candidate, but it's going to be too late because so many people have thought they were doing the right thing and donating and stuff. And, you know, I'm not saying donate, don't donate to to things that you believe in. But what I'm saying is you have to question everything you see now and anything that's big business. You know, if somebody's selling you a book, they're selling you a book for a reason. You know, you, you don't really have the team you need to stop what's happening in this country. And, and a lot of that is because there isn't any kind of collective force for the truth. You know, the truth has become such a commodified thing. And like you mentioned, Jimmy, people think they're watching the news when they're watching CNN and stuff, you know, and they're not even MSNBC, you know, which I watch every night, but it's infotainment. It's designed to get you aggravated. Are there great people on there? Yes. Joy Reid is great. Nicole Wallace, Rachel Maddow does some incredible investigative reporting. I'm not saying they're not journalists per se, but what I'm saying is it's designed to be entertainment and to manipulate you emotionally so you keep watching. That's different than deep dives. Mm -hmm. And deep dives are there. It's available. People always ask me, like, I'll put something on Twitter and, and you get these replies and they'll say sources. Sources. It's in the fucking newspaper. How about the New York Times? How about the Washington Post? You know, people don't know something and then they'll blame you for their own ignorance. You know, they'll be like, well, I never heard this before. It's like, there's nothing for yourself. Google it. Besides the behind the scenes stuff that I revealed about Trump, there's nothing that I've said on Twitter that you couldn't Google yourself and find out. You know, I'm not some oracle. I'm not, you know, some keeper of secrets. And even the stuff I talked about, Trump snorting Adderall and shitting himself, was common knowledge to the crew, to at least the crew that was sort of in the inner sanctum to some extent. And they all have NDAs. They don't want to tell you about that. And that's why nobody wanted to rock the boat in 2015, because Trump was making huge ratings. 
He was going on these debate stages in July of 2015 and saying Megyn Kelly must be on the rag or something. And people couldn't believe how outrageous it was. So they tuned in next week to see what he was going to say to little <laughs> Marco Rubio or Jeb Bush. And it became a ratings goldmine. And the same guy that knew he was a sexual assaulting, like philandering drug addict when he hired him to be on Celebrity Apprentice and the apprentice at NBC, Jeff Zucker, was now in charge of CNN. And he was like, damn, I'm gonna get another house in Watermill out of this guy. This is insane. Usually people are watching, you know, Date Rape Island in July or whatever, you know, dating show is now. And now they're watching politics and it became a massive industry. And now people are writing books and now people that were part of it are cashing in on it. And the Justice Department will go after some people, but they're not going to go after the right people. Do you know what I'm saying? They're not going to go after anything that will like compromise the same thing not happening again, because people are going to profit off of this kind of stuff. And this is our new, new normal in politics. Sadly, in many ways, this country's broken in a way it's not going to really recover from because we're divided now. And that has become a lifestyle brand. You know, yeah. I'm a conservative, you're a libtard, you know, and I can't ever hear anything you have to say. And both of our backyards are going to catch on fire because of global warming. We're both going to have children that have a less hospitable planet than we did or our grandparents did because there's a wedge between us coming together and working for some kind of solution for the betterment of us. It's a branding issue now. And if Trump had any genius, it was in branding things. He was so good at branding, he stayed in the public life for 50 years. You know, the guy was a two-bit huckster who should have disappeared a long time ago. But his branding opportunities were able to always sort of dovetail with a corporation that needed a pick-me-up. You know, it was NBC that was like, all right, reality shows are hot. We don't really have a good property. CBS is kicking our ass with Survivor. You know, so Mark Burnett's like, here, I'll throw you a bone. We're going to do this thing on Trump. Trump was already a known scumbag when they gave him The Apprentice. Like the, everyone in New York City knew who he was, but NBC's like, all right, we'll put him on. So now middle America's like, who's this genius? He's got a supermodel wife and an airplane, what? You know, and then now here we are. You know, that yeah. genius is taking money out of your pocket every day and spending it on himself while Rome burns and everyone around him gets indicted. <laughs> well, and the, the crazy thing, I mean, when I go back to the summer of 2015 when all those debates were going on, you would see Wolf Blitzer be on the TV and say, we're going to have coverage of the Trump rally coming up in five minutes. You know, like they kept cutting back to him and Trump would keep them waiting because he's watching it in the back and seeing the kind of coverage he's getting to just draw it out more. You know, he would do that with the press conferences, show up late and have the microphone down further where the reporters would have to bend down. We're bending the knee to this guy and we have to stick it to him. I know. Hold him accountable for something. Oh, you're not going to, Jimmy. It ain't nothing. I know, man, but damn, it just, it hurts. You know, it hurts. It hurts. Well, you believe in a fairy tale, that's what happens. You know, <laughs> Like, we're not the yeah. good guys in the way we've always been sold. And people get mad when you hear that. And I don't mean individuals aren't the good guys. America's full of good, caring people. And you know what? Those people are out there right now doing good things. You know, they're not on Twitter trying to sell you their podcast and stuff like I'm trying to do. You know, they're out there working in homeless shelters and working in animal shelters and helping feed the poor and educate our children and taking care of our loved ones or taking care of those that don't even have any loved ones. The heroes we saw in this last year, they're in hospitals and they're in grocery stores. 
you know, and they're in fields, getting our food to eat, doing skilled labor, getting our produce. You ever watch somebody like pick strawberries or any kind of product? That's anything but unskilled labor. That stuff takes so much skill and they have to get so good at doing it because you have to do so much of it to even scrape by and make a living. Those are the mm -hmm. heroes. Those are your heroes. Your, your migrant workers are your heroes in this country, not your billionaires who jet themselves into space for 10 minutes and then take <laughs> 18 hours of TV time. Jeff Bezos hasn't done anything for anybody in his life. And he saw he got a little pushback, so he gave Van some money to give away. You know, it's a drop in the bucket. The guy doubled his fortune during the pandemic. New York City right now is nothing but these guys that meet up to deliver Amazon packages all day. Do you know what I'm saying? He's clogging our roads and our streets to deliver something to your door that you could have already bought in your neighborhood and employed somebody in your community. Okay. Amazon put most of those companies out of business. When Amazon got big, they went after all the mom and pop stores and their competitors. And at first tried to partner with them and then basically closed them down. You got to beware of any company that wants to sell you laundry detergent and ship it to your door. It's already been shipped to a door right in your neighborhood. We've already used that kind of carbon footprint to get it there in the first place. You don't need to have it shipped from across the country. It's a horrible business model that we'll look back on one day as, as contributing to the decline of America. But the people in charge of it will be so wealthy, you won't be able to do a damn thing about it, except for turn on your TV and applaud that he's going to the moon again. Okay? It's insane. You don't need to be going to the moon right now. We've already done it, you know, or to outer space. I got a buddy, Garrett Reisman, he went to space twice. Like space should be part of NASA, science. You go there and do research. It's not a field trip for a rich dude. So he can go jerk off in the outer atmosphere for 10 minutes and come back down and have a press conference. It's insane. Yeah. The world's on fire. China's flooded. India's flooded. America's flooded. There's fire NATOs. You know, species are dying. There's no salmon in the Sacramento River, you know? Yeah. The East Coast is a freaking swamp right now. There's mold growing on everything. We haven't had a nice day this summer. It's either raining or too hot. You know, there was smoky fires this week covering our sky for most of this week. Smoke, you know, from wildfires in Canada. There's a million problems right now. So somebody who's on TV in their spacesuit and a cowboy hat saying, look at me, instead of rolling up their sleeves and actually doing something about it is part of the problem. And you got to stop buying into the BS. You know, the real heroes are not on TV. Well, and if you looked at the market that day, right, as he landed his sput dick that he launched into space, the Amazon's stock price went up 23 points. Right. And he owns most of that. So it's not like he wasn't making money. He, he made $5.5 billion as he was spending it going up in the atmosphere. Exactly. Yeah. They gave him a free commercial, you know, on primetime TV. It sucked up all the airwaves and they did the same thing for Richard Branson a week earlier. And they'll do the same thing for Elon Musk if he can get his thing off. The, that's the last guy I'd get in a spacecraft with, dude. Every time I tweet, I get these Elon bots that go in my replies. Like if you can't stop the bots, you know, and you're trying to sell me Bitcoin or something. Hell no, I'm not getting in your rocket ship, dude. I don't trust that guy. That guy's a Bond villain. Did you see that the value of Bitcoin tanked again this week, man? Like $90 billion or something. That, talk about a scam that nobody's Jeez. coming. That's a scam. You know, and Mooch, 
Mooch was one of those big celebrities last summer, the Trump guys, and he's selling Bitcoin. He uh, was booked on every show and stuff. And I've talked to him like we used to kind of be friends. But anybody who's selling you something, especially something that's bad for the planet, don't trust them. You got to look at what people's motivations are. And there's very few people around these days that have pure motivations on a high social level. You know, and I mean that in like social media, like anybody who's got a publicist probably doesn't have your best interests at heart. Like I, I'm in an entertainment business. So, you know, part of that stuff is necessary. I'm not saying everyone is evil. I'm saying you have to look at why you're being manipulated these ways and what someone's really trying to sell you. Okay. And one step that was setting the right tone, at least from private business is the NFL and their COVID protocol. They're striking down on the league and they're saying, Look, if these unvaccinated players don't get their vaccine, you're going to forfeit games. There's things more important than football, folks. And having been at Lucas Oil Stadium in a professional environment, you better believe that some players are going to send some messages either on the field or in practice if folks don't get vaccinated. Because the window for these guys is like three years. They don't have a long timetable to play football, let alone win. So, you know, if you're on the brink of a championship, Get your damn vaccine. And I'm talking as a Colts fan. They're on the brink of going to a championship. So get vaccinated if you're cold out there and you're listening to this. Nice. The Colts are in the NFL. Are they an NFL team? <laughs> as of right now, they are. You know, So we'll see if Mr. Ursay uh, wants to make that change. But... And Jim Ursay just bought Elton John's piano. Yeah, another purchase from Jim, man. He's got a whole treasure trove of stuff. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I know he does. He's got Jerry Garcia's guitars. I've seen a lot of it. I think I've told those stories when I was there when he bought Les Paul's Black Beauty in a uh, snowstorm. It's one of my greatest regrets is that I didn't buy any of Les Paul's stuff. It was a crazy story. I'm sure I've told it on this show. But Les, uh, Elton John's piano, that's a good that's a good thing to have, man. I love me some Elton John. And I've had the pleasure of working on Elton John shows um, on TV shows with him and I'm friends with some of his bandmates. I keep one of their picks right near me and I'm thinking of his piano now. So I did a show called spectacle with Elvis Costello. We did like two or three seasons. We shot it at the Apollo. Elton was our executive producer and David Furnish, his husband and, uh, Elton's just the best, you know? And, and I remember we had an episode where Elton had agreed to perform and um, I was like so excited, but I was sort of going through this weird time in my life, kind of depressed, you know, over breakups kind of thing. And uh, I sit there in the Apollo and it's just me and the crew and whatever. And uh, Elton comes out on the stage, sits at the piano and he sings the song, Sorry is the Hardest Word, you know, and I hadn't heard that song in probably 20 years and, and I heard it in this moment <laughs> where it just hit me like a ton of bricks and I remember mm. being like crying like man because the song was speaking to what I was feeling and like Elton is just you know that's a guy he walks the walk you know he's done so much he's given away his royalties to AIDS research he's over the top you know in his stage show in a good way you know and he'd be the first guy to tell you he's kind of a little difficult behind the scenes you know <laughs> and I've done a lot of stuff and he is but it's in a funny way you know and I remember I did this show with him in the 90s it was a VH1 fashion rocks or it was called men strike back it was some kind of we did a lot of these package kind of VH1 shows and we're doing this one at the beacon and Elton was, I, I might've told this story on the show, but Elton was going to perform with Tina Turner 
and they started we started the rehearsal and we're sitting there and and they start to play and elton's at the piano and he's playing and tina stops and goes hey no that's an a chord like you're playing it wrong you need to go in and play it and they he's like okay you know and he starts playing again and she stops him again is like nope you know you're still not hitting that hitting that note right elton He's like, okay. And they go a third time and she stops him again and stops the song. And he goes, bitch, I think I know how to play an A chord and storms off the stage. And we're like, oh my God. And Tina's like, I guess I'm not touring with Elton this summer because they were about to do a package tour together. Mm. So like everybody goes into the trailers and, you know, talk about a PR situation because you still got to shoot the thing. You got to make this nice, you know, and Elton agrees to come back and do it. But he switched the song. It was Proud Mary is what they were going to do. And they switched it to uh, the bitches back. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And then rocked it, you know, but so it's funny because just, you know, Elton is uncompromising in his artistry and he's an incredible musician. People think of the songs and what a great like writer of melodies he is. And obviously Bernie Taupin is one of the great lyricists, but Elton is just a great musician. And and the last thing I did with him is we did the Grammys not long ago, maybe 2017, the last time they were in New York. And we did like a tribute to Elton, which is part of the same Grammys weekend. And Ken Ehrlich produces it. And we shot it like the night before the Grammys, which were Sunday night. So we shot it Saturday night at the theater at Madison Square Garden. And we did a week's rehearsals and we'd have Lady Gaga and all these guys sitting in with Elton. But he's a great sort of arbiter of talent. He's one of those older generation artists that likes to lift up those that are coming Mm -hmm. up. You know, a lot of people get sort of like angry and jealous and try to hold on to their position and don't want to help out the new the new guys. And and Elton's the opposite of that. Like he's willing to share his spotlight and introduce you to artists that you may not have have heard of. And that was amazing. And we did that on the Grammys and a lot of them were huge. You know, as I said, it was Lady Gaga and Sean Mendez, you know, it was people that were just breaking and then people you hadn't heard of. And, and it was just great. And his band is incredible. He's had the same band. Nigel Olson is the drummer and Davy Johnstone on guitar. Like he's had the same guys with him. My friend, Kim Bullard. And uh, those guys are all friends of mine. So don't ever make this clip into anything that we share on social media. But um, it's fun to tell some Elton stories. And I think that's a good way to close we're uh, we're heading into the the high summer months right now, so stay cool, everybody. It doesn't look like the news is going to let up, but that doesn't mean you have to let it get you down. So, peace and love, and come back next week. Episode twenty one of the Noel Castler podcast is about to end. Jimmy, you look like you want to plug something real quick. Yeah, uh, I got a new podcast on my show, JBK on Air. My initials, JBK O N A I R. One of my buddies, uh, Tyler Conrad. He's a tour photographer and videographer. He's worked with Miranda Lambert. He's on tour with her right now. And is going to be going with Tim McGraw here soon. So another one of my friends that I want to elevate and give some attention to. Okay. Well, there you heard it there first, folks. Check it out. JBK on air. And uh, we'll be back here next week. And uh, until then, have a good one. We'll see you soon. Peace out, everybody. It's the Noel Castler podcast. You can find me online and come and see me. September 16th at the Rams Head in Annapolis, Maryland. Tell your friends. And I'll also be on November 18th at the Wall Street Theater in Norwalk, Connecticut, which is just a short drive from New York City. And Southern Norwalk is a happening place. So come on out. It's a Thursday night. We'll have some fun. We'll go hang out afterwards. Anyway, peace out and be safe.